Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. Today, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Calvin Sharfs. Calvin is an executive with over 20 years experience, wide range of companies. He's worked everywhere from Fortune 500 to the very fastest growing startup companies. Uh, Calvin is the vice president of product marketing at Pixelate, and he oversees the company's global strategy, uh, which includes branding, advertising, product, and customer marketing. So look, I'm your host, Simon Hodgkins. I'm delighted to get on with today's episode. So Calvin, you're very welcome to Vista Talks. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for the nice introduction. No problem. It's our pleasure. So look, can we begin? Let's kick things off because I want to discuss your current role. I mentioned there you're the VP, the Vice President of Marketing at Pixelate. And for those people watching uh, and listening, uh, Pixelate, it's, it's a market-leading fraud uh, protection and privacy compliance company. Uh, you have a number of platforms and indexes that we can get into, but it's really around connected TV, mobile apps, websites. And can you tell us more about your role and more, a little bit more about Pixelate so our listeners can understand the context of this, this sort of complex world that you're involved in? Yes, thank you. So Pixelate, interestingly enough, kind of sits at the intersection of a bunch of different kind of players in the ad tech or programmatic ecosystem. Typically, what you have is you have a buyer who is a marketing person. It's either a marketing person, a company, or some sort of holding company or agency. And they then contract with a demand side platform, which is called a DSP. And we're going to talk a lot about acronyms today. It's acronym soup. Then it also connects to what's called a supply side platform who connects to all of the publishers. And this intersection of all of these different things happen when someone goes to draw on their screen for a website, we'll use CNN as an example, and you start to see an ad come up on the page. That is hit with an SSP, SSP hits the DSPs and there's a connection made and the, and the uh, advertisement renders. All of this happens in under, a second, it's actually under about 0.800 milliseconds. So there's a lot of interactions that are happening there. And what happens is you have a bunch of different hops between all of those different positions and, and whatnot. And so there's an, an opportunity for there to be what's called invalid traffic. There's um, general invalid traffic and sophisticated. Some is just bot traffic, which is like Google search is doing a scan. But then there's nefarious or kind of bad actors that are trying to interject themselves inside of the midstream to collect that money. Now, there's a study saying the AMA, the next year is going to be $200 billion spent on, uh, on uh, programmatic advertising. And roughly $35 billion of that is fraudulent or nefarious activity. So it's a lot of money we are talking about. And they say, or they claim that it's second to none in kind of organized crime next, or excuse me, next to drug trade and organized crime. So a lot of people think that this is just someone in their basement hacking away and, um, and, and trying to kind of interject, but these are actually very large enterprises, corporations that are in kind of different kind of acting countries um, that you can get into. So Pixelate kind of sits in the middle of all this and we try to prevent this, uh, this ad fraud this IVT. So we're what's called Media Ratings Council accredited. We have 40 plus uh, accreditations. 
um, across the, the various device types, CTV, mobile, and, and desktop. And we try to, or we, we do, block traffic actually at the server level um, and, and do this. So we have a blocking list that people per purchase and they use that to block traffic from this happening. We also have an analytics product that basically tells you how it's working. It's like Google Analytics, but it's um, specifically on the campaign level detail that happens here. And then we have a media ratings terminal where we rank and rate all of these different actors in the ecosystem and we put that together. So my job as um, you know, VP of product marketing is to bring all of that to light um, through our user stories and use cases competitive analysis, and then bring that out to the public and the light um, to help shine, you know, what the problem is and, and hopefully help to solve it. Um, we've talked earlier, it's a little bit like a, a cyber policeman where we're trying to stop, you know, this kind of activity. Um, we also look a lot at privacy and compliance, GDPR, COPPA um, violations and that kind of stuff. Because not only do you want to not have problems with invalid traffic, but you also, as a brand safety issue, perhaps you don't want to be doing business with people that don't have privacy policies or have these COPPA violations. COPPA is uh, the Children's Online Protection Act, um, Privacy and Protection Act, uh, excuse me. So those are, those are a variety of things. So we kind of sit at the intersection of kind of all of those different players. No, absolutely. The cyber police, the cyber cops of the industry. But you, you've made a very complex subject uh, sound um, somewhat uh, understandable to uh, to me and to our audience, no doubt. But, you know, for, for, for connected television, uh, for Internet uh, type content um, and for these big brands, this uh, this ad fraud, it, it's huge and it's a real issue. And uh, it's companies like Pixelate that can sit right at the sort of the crossroads of this problem uh, to dissect this problem and to help these brands uh, with these uh, situations. So I wanted to talk to you about the trends and because you mentioned the, the, the sort of the growth and the trends and some big numbers there, but the connected TV ad supply chain trends report, which I know Pixelate uh, sort of puts together from a, you know, statistics and an opinion sort of positioning piece uh, in the industry. I was blown away to see that there's a 50% year-on-year increase uh, right now when it comes to uh, sort of global open programmatic ad spend. Uh, so when it comes to this CTV ad spend, it's, it, it, it isn't just growing, you know, you're, it, it, it's 50%. It's absolutely uh, growing at a ferocious pace. And I'm just wondering your views on that. Is that a trend that you continually see? But it, it's something that stuck out at me. When I was looking at your recent trends report, yeah, that's a that's a great observation. And part of what Pixelate does, on top of our ad fraud investigations, we do have a series of reports that we produce, not only for CTV but mobile and desktop and others. CTV just happens to be the most recent and probably the hottest topic. So the growth we think is, and the CTV is actually relatively nascent, honestly, maybe in the last five plus years, maybe even less depending, it was certainly there before that, but the real growth and the real strategy around that is, but I think because of the pandemic and the buying shift of people online to CTV type devices. So you have to, you have to understand there's over the air, there's OTT and CTV, there's a platform which is, um, 
uh, Roku or Fire TV or Samsung or a variety of others, Apple included in that. And then you have the actual CTV application that is sitting on each of those platforms. And so most of the places will have multiple apps across each of those ecosystems. But as you mentioned, you know, Roku has done really, really well. And I think it's because they have you know, been kind of early adopters. They got built into most TVs. They're on demand. They are really good at that kind of updating their systems. They're kind of the first to market. And it's, I think it does surprise a few people that, that they have the position that they do. Now the year over year growth, I think is simply because people are shifting their online viewing habits. I have you know teenagers and early 20 year olds in my household and they don't watch TV anymore on a traditional set. They're on their phone or on their computer or on their tablet. And you're starting to see that that's the case. I think one other stat is I think 80 plus percent of the United States is actually on some type of CTV device now, which was a huge increase as well. So I think you're going to see this trend continuing and programmatic is programmatic advertising is the natural extension for these publishers to pay for their content and to make money and to create what they're creating. So the traditional model of, of cable television, however, not gone away, is really starting to see, um, a, see a significant chunk taken out of it. In fact, you're starting to see a lot of the big cable providers starting to provide streaming options as part of their portfolio of companies. And, and you know, Comcast and some of the others are you know, good examples of, of that um, Xfinity being, being that subsidiary for them. Let's talk about that for a minute, because you raised some important points there, Kelvin. So I was, again, staggered to see that, uh, in, in a good way, um, that 45% of programmatic uh, ad spend goes to Roku. I mean, that, that statistic for me was, was staggering. And then, of course, you think about all the devices that Roku is already pre-installed on, plus the relatively low cost of the devices that you can buy mm -hmm. from Roku and the the, the 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 sort of investment that they put into their user interface, which is up, up, upgraded uh, probably a lot more than some of their competitors. Uh, and Roku was at 45%. Amazon was at 14%. And you also mentioned Samsung there, which I think was at around 12%, which they sort of rounded out the top three. But there was a lot mm -hmm. more. And we've seen this 71% um, increase, haven't we, in the number of apps. And, uh, you know, somewhere between, is it 40 to 60 thousand odd apps that you're seeing from Pixelate's perspective? Yeah, when we did the same report for the second half of last year, we were monitoring 40,000 and this year it was approaching 60,000. Now that's globally as well too. And it was what's interesting, you know, in a couple of stats in that particular um, report, you start to see a lot of countries coming up into, into play that weren't traditionally um, as, as part of that. So What's interesting is a lot of these um, other areas in the world are basically are skipping the cord and they're going straight to, to digital and internet based um, activities. And so you're starting to see a lot of these emerging markets actually um, starting to take off too, which is, which is very interesting, especially from a, um, an advertiser's perspective, like where do I need to be spending my dollars in my advertising and where in the world if I'm a global company. Mm. And this this app driven uh, 
viewing, this app-driven user, I suppose. I mean, most people would have a half a dozen, maybe more apps that they're used to on their smart device. But to think that, you you know, this year you were looking at 60,000 uh, apps in this space, it's incredible growth. And particularly when you talk about the amount of new countries that are popping up and almost missing the step or, or cutting the cord, I suppose, would be the, the term uh, where they're moving straight to this ad delivered um, app based uh, network. And you made a really interesting point there a moment ago when you were talking about paying for the content, right, for the content to be produced and how the programmatic advertising is is sort of playing its part in that for a lot of these um, CTV type content producers. Um, is that is it is it pandemic, you say, Calvin, that's driven a lot of that? Do you think we've all been on lockdown for 18 months, two years, depending on which part of the world you're in? Uh, is, it, is that what's snowballed, this 40 to 60,000 difference you've seen in the last 12 months? Or is this a regular sort of growth curve that you're expecting to, to continue? I think that it was already moving in the CTV direction. You know, people were moving away from the mobile advertising and yeah. desktop advertising to some degree. Um, but what's interesting about CTV and the money that's behind it, and again, these are opinions, just so we may make ourselves clear. Yeah, yeah. We're an opinion, we're an opinion company. I have this little teeny bit of disclaimer. We make assumptions based on you know observations that we see. But as you start to see um, the, the money that's being pulled away isn't, isn't necessarily from, from digital advertising, it's from traditional television buying. So that was always kind of a whole separate bucket of money because people were still, it's called linear TVs, just, just continuously playing. So most of that money was already being spent there and you're starting to see the linear move over into the CTV. Now some digital as well too. But because of that, that's, um, you know, you're starting to see the linear get eroded. That's why you're seeing a lot of these, you know, kind of traditional cable companies moving in this direction because the money is moving over into CTV. So interestingly enough, a lot of the content's kind of still the same. I can go on, um, you know, uh, YouTube TV or I can do Hulu TV. It's all the same stations that I would traditionally see. On a, on a cable box, so to speak, say a Comcast or someone else. But that is moving online where I don't have to, um, you know, be tied to that box. I can look at it on any device like my phone or my desktop or on my TV with these kind of selected platforms. Yeah, and we, we're seeing a number of content providers and um, uh, TV production companies launching their own apps, aren't we, to sort of create their own audience, if you like, and go direct to consumer for their content. Um, yeah, it certainly so, yeah. seems to be the trend with the Discovery Channel types of things. And yeah. you're seeing Peacock with their own, which is, you know, Comcast um, and Universal, Paramount, same kind of a thing. So um, you'll start to see them as they start to cut not cut ties with cable, but just people are buying stuff direct to those brands specifically. Yeah, and the, the Disney, is, Disney certainly, Disney certainly a good example. Excuse me. Yeah, Disney, Disney Plus is a great example, and um, I think it depends on the shows and the content, doesn't it? Because you typically need the hit show or two, or the the thing that's only available on your network to to pull in those um, those users to download that app. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating how fast how fast this landscape has changed, isn't it? It is. And everyone's very, it's very interesting and very, everyone's very interested. And that's why these reports are helpful because they do show 
kind of these trends over some some time and and how it's accelerating so quickly. I think, like you mentioned earlier, it probably has helped with the, the pandemic to accelerate it, but I it was already it was already accelerating. So if you it's look at some of the anyway. ad spend. Yeah. The, the acceleration happened much quicker, but it was already hockey sticking up a little bit, so to speak. Yeah, it was all, we were already on this journey. It's just speeded it up. Yeah, that seems to be the case. And you mentioned the, the, the sort of insights and the reports that you, that you guys share, but there's two, the two that I really want you to sort of maybe expand on, if you don't mind, Calvin, is I thought the Pixelate, the top 100 programmatic supply chain insight piece, and also your publisher trust uh, index. Could you maybe share a little bit about what those two are aiming to do? Because some of our audience might not be familiar with them, but I thought they were fascinating. Yeah, so we have, have taken um, this data that we, we collect and we rank and rate both the supply side. So the seller trust index is an SSP index, and then the publisher trust index is the publisher side. And those are different players in this ecosystem. So you've got the supply side platform and the publisher. Now, there is varying degrees of trust and, and transparency between either sides of those. So we rank and rate them based on the methodology that we push and publish up on our website. So people will know what, how we're ranking them. And we do it, the publisher trust index gets updated on a monthly basis. We do that across both CTV and mobile. And then in these, those ecosystems, we rank across uh, in CTV, it's Amazon, Roku, and Samsung. And inside of um, uh, uh, the mobile app, it is app, uh, Google App Store, Google Play, and the Apple App Store. Now, we also do it based on region and by country. And that's really, really important for folks to understand because there are microclimates of data and information that are very helpful. So let's use EMEA as a really good example. The UK is much different than say Spain or France. And there are different companies that do business in there. Some, some of these SSPs are in those countries and some aren't. There's, it's interesting how you get into it. So ranking something based on 35 countries or whatever the number is now, it's, is, is not really great. I mean, trends overall in the area is good, but if I really wanna know the granular detail, this report helps produce and do that. Now the seller trust index we do on a quarterly basis. That stuff doesn't change quite as much as the publisher stuff does. The publisher stuff changes almost on a daily basis or at least monthly basis. So that's why we, we produce those. The seller trust index we've had since 2014 and has been you know, a great vehicle for us to, for people to strike up conversations and, and to understand the ecosystem. We just launched the publisher trust index in May, June of this year. Um, it had been, the inception of it had been around for several years, but the actual kind of execution of the ranking piece of it um, is, is there. So what drives that behind that? We have about 500 different metrics that we rank and rate people on based on those different uh, platforms and those different um, uh, stores, so to speak. And not only do we look at IVT, we also look at things like viewability. Does an ad actually get viewed? 
Then we get into the privacy and compliance aspect of things. Do they have a privacy policy? Do they have a terms and condition? Those are direct violations and are actually compliance issues that can be fined on if you're dealing business with someone that doesn't have those or those are not in place. So it's really important for companies to know what your risk is with who you're doing business with because they are, you don't really know. We also know what country the developer is from. Are there certain countries you don't want your, to do business with? Perhaps. There are companies that are shell companies. We have data that says shell companies have higher versions of IVT than others. They're, you know, if they're hiding or they're a shell company, why are, they, why are they doing that? Again, these are assumptions. These are just opinions from, from us. We also have a mobile apps report that talks about delisted, delisted apps from the app exchange, specifically um, Google and Apple. So this is really fascinating, Simon. If something gets delisted, an app, it stays on your phone indefinitely. So if that app has malicious code or is doing something nefarious, you don't know that. Apple just takes them out of the store or Google takes them out of the store and they don't, and you're not alerted to remove that from, from there. So there's an inherent risk of what's kind of on your phone too, because there's a huge amount that gets delisted every quarter. I think it was 200,000 between the two stores, you know, kind of in the first, you know, of 8 million, there's, you know, percentage that get, get removed. We don't know why. We can assume because maybe they had a privacy policy violation or terms and condition violation, or perhaps they had high IVT. Um, maybe they had COPPA violations. We, we don't know. We make some assumptions, but they just remove them and then people just don't know. So we're really at the forefront of trying to determine why those are being removed and making sure people that are aware of that so that they're not, now they might just have gotten, made a gun out of business and they're just not there anymore, who knows? But these are people that are actually getting money from the programmatic ecosystem. They're, they're serving ads on their, on their mobile devices and they're, they're still there. So it's, it's concerning and we, we look at it from that kind of holistic viewpoint to say what's, what's, gonna, what's happening there and, and how can we help that? No, that that's a very important point because uh, you know, as you say, that if you don't delete it, uh, it's still there, regardless of what the various app stores and play stores have done, and they're they're staggering numbers with how many uh, apps get removed. But just going back to that sixty thousand apps in this space, uh, it's incredible to 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 think. Um, Mobile's five million. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, five mobile million between, again. between the between yeah. the two stores. There's roughly five million. Um, we actually track about 8 million plus, um, because we keep, we keep tabs on the ones that have been delisted. So if it's something been delisted, we can actually, we show that in our interface. It says, oh, these, this has been removed. We don't know why, but it's just, it got delisted on this date. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's all the information that they will share, but, um, yep, that's right. So, that's right. So, so obviously for Pixlate to do this work, I know that you raise significant growth capital uh, for your fraud protection, privacy, compliance analytics platforms again this year, uh, which is great to see. And, you know, for monitoring these connected television and mobile advertising um, activities. But I, the point I wanted to make on that, that, that around the, the world that Pixlate lives in is the Association of National Advertisers says that, you know, the the estimate is 200 billion will be spent mm -hmm. in digital advertising 
this year. And they're advertised, and I think you mentioned this number earlier, they're saying about 35 billion of that will be ad fraud, that it will cost the industry around 35 billion. I mean, is that, mm-hmm. just, is that just the way it is? Or are we seeing that reduce, increase as the pandemic driven that faster? Because that's a huge chunk of, they're big numbers, 35 billion in ad fraud. And it's what's even more disheartening is when you think about what that costs the consumer, it's really un- unfortunate because advertisers have to make in that loss into the price of what they charge you. So say you buy a soda for a dollar, 20, 20, 25 cents of that is wiped away by criminal activity and, and pulling that out of, out of their advertising. I know it doesn't work exactly like that, but I think you kind of start to get the point. It, it does affect people specifically in that. So is it because people are driven more online? We don't know, but there's companies like ours, ours and others that are trying to stop that activity and, 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 and make sure that that's not happening. And you're starting to see like CTV, um, and I'd have to look up the stat, I just have it off the top of my head, but it did, we did see it decrease from year over year a little bit. I think it was maybe two or 3%. I'd have to go look at it. It was, anyway, I don't want to misquote here, but it's, but it, so you, you're starting to see these kind of activities. So how do you do that? There's a bunch of activities, um, and not too technical, but there's what's called supply path optimization, which is how do I optimize from point A to point B to point C to point D? And then how do I measure and make that transparent? A lot of times it's not. And so you kind of just don't know where things are, are going. But if you can be more methodical, it's called a supply chain object where you can actually look at this and, and keep track of these transactions, you'll start to see those numbers decrease. Yeah. And the industry as a whole, IAB, uh, Tech Lab and others um, are looking at ways to help you know, do this as an industry body. Um, type of uh, companies. And so, you know, we are, we partner with those folks. Um, there's a TAG association, there's uh, the IAB Tech Lab in, in working on these standards to help drive that number down. Now, it's a little teeny bit of a whack-a-mole, like you close someone down and they can pop up and pop out somewhere else. And so it is an ongoing piece, but if, if all parties know who they're doing business with, um, and think of it almost like a uh, Bitcoin transaction or blockchain transaction. Like you just add on the chain what's happening and then it's all kind of traceable and trackable. That's where you start to get the industry as a whole. Now, what could, what would these companies do with that extra 25% of their budget? I mean, it's, it's interesting, 20, 25%. Like would they spend it more on advertising? Would they put it into R&D? I don't, I don't know, but that's the question. Like, there's a lot of money that kind of just vaporizes that we, we, we are trying to help kind of thwart that. So. No, and you mentioned earlier, like between your offices in your offices in Palo Alto and London, um, but you're analyzing what you're saying, 8 million apps. When you take the mobile world into account, you're across five app stores, you have 2 billion odd IP addresses and uh, 300 plus billion, I don't know what the current number is now when it comes to connected sort of OTT type devices. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of data. That's a lot, that's a lot of um, numbers that need to be crunched to detect this stuff. So 
it, and it's ongoing because, as you say, somebody today with a fraudulent uh, app that's been removed from a store that's still active on, on somebody's device or can pop up tomorrow with a new app that gets approved on a various app store and off we go again. So whack-a-mole, I think, was the term you used there a moment ago. Yeah. Do you, guys have, do you guys have that? Do you have whack? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm using a U.S. term or American term, but I figured. Well, no, no, we're very, very familiar with whack-a-mole. Yeah. Um, and look, could you can you maybe just expand then, just as we sort of come towards the end of our discussion here, just a bit about the importance of it, because like we've talked about a lot of numbers there. We talked about a lot of growth. You know, we talked about Roku and Samsung and Amazon and how this thing is exploding and the pandemic has driven some of this, but ultimately it's the importance of the brand safety, isn't it? And you know, regarding sort of the detection of these invalid traffic types across what is becoming a hugely globally connected world, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the key is as you start to go globally and you're starting to get these different applications and apps from different parts of the world, which is great and fine. But you, you need to be cautious kind of who you do business with. And these companies that we, you know, do business with are interested in, you know, policing their own networks and they want quality and transparency for their advertisers and for their publishers. And so it's 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 very important to be able to um, to, to do that now. People always complain about ads and I and I, I caution that and I, and I bring this up. People want content. They want the, the $100 million movie to be to watch, but someone pays for that and it's either ticket sales for a movie or someone subscribing to Disney to see the latest Marvel or HBO Max. And so in light of people paying money to subscribe to that, the alternative is to have advertising, very traditional and linear and traditional cable television. The ad, ads that were paid for created the content. Think of CNN and all their reporters. How do they pay for those reporters? How do you have kind of a globally connected um, ecosystem of people reporting on these things? Either it has to be paid some way. So you're either going to pay for the content. Disney's Disney's an example. I think actually they have kind of a, a middle tier now where they can do some paid advertising. But you know HBO, I pay for HBO and I don't get any commercials or I don't, or Hulu, I get the, the free version and I get a, a ton of commercials. Either way, you're paying for your time and attention or you're paying you know, to, to log into that. Now, consumers have the option, like I hate commercials too, so I you know, determine whether or not I want to, to, to circumvent that by buying content that doesn't have that. But if I don't have a content that I you know, necessarily want to buy all the time, then ad-based ad or ad-supported is, is the model there. So because there's so much money in that, there ends up being nefarious characters that try to scam and, and, and kind of look at that. But it's important to remember that it's all about the content and it's all about the delivery of that content and how you're going to see it. And then making that as safe and, and inviting as possible not just from the IVT perspective, but brand safety. Am I dealing with folks that have um, adult content? Do I have folks that are dealing with alcohol or tobacco? We track those things. Is it violent content? Do I want my brand associated with that? We have a really good uh, client that does kid TV on CTV. 
and they have a very, very specific audience, very young audience, and they have to curate all of those ads to make sure that that's appropriate and within the FCC regulations. So there's there's a lot of things there um, that, that are need to be taken into account for. Um, I know that's a long-winded answer, but um, it's, no, it, it, but it's, it is important. It is important. Yeah, it really is the crux of the argument, isn't it? Because um, ultimately, you're either paying a subscription. You think about Netflix or you know the other brands that you mentioned. You know they, they've kind of pioneered some of that model. You know, from early DVD rental now to we're all on an app, whether it's an app on yeah. a smart TV or a smart device or, or you know the, the latest iPhone or Pixel phone or whatever brand it is. Um, you're either paying a monthly subscription, and there's a, there is a you know, there is a curve that says, well, how many subscriptions will the average person want and how much are you spending on your subscriptions per month? Because it very much is an app subscription world. And then the alternative is, well, if you don't want to pay the subscription, it's not it's not always this black and white, but there, there's the ad model. And there is sure. also the, the sort of moral dilemma, which is, do you, do, you know, are we ultimately driving a two-tier world where people that can afford subscriptions get the ad free version and people that can't afford subscriptions get the ad version and i think it's down to making sure that the ads are relevant age appropriate uh not fraudulent <laughs> and, um, that's right there's know. a brand safety issue there's everyone's a brand always safety issue there yeah yeah i mean magazines you had to pay for and you had ads in them of course newspapers had advertising that's what drove the editorial content in those so it's it's not a, a big stretch to say free content you have to pay for some of your attention whether you pay attention or not is another thing, but that's I, I you know I don't know if I would say there's a, a two tier thing there. Um, it's interesting because people used to not be able to pay to not see ads. There wasn't there wasn't that option. Like yeah. I couldn't get the New York Times without ads right. before because right. I subscribed to the paper and it had ads in it. There wasn't a, a non ad version. So. So yeah. it's interesting. It's an interesting topic and conversation, but no, it it is, and I suppose that the TV world just to round that out. It's I suppose in sort of a lot of lot of Europe, you've got terrestrial television stations, mm-hmm. uh, which are which are typically not always, but a lot of them are not ad. Like the BBC would be a great example in the UK. You mentioned the UK earlier. It's license fee paid, so the end user pays a license fee, gets their content produced by the BBC, but there are no ads. Now they advertise themselves yep. an awful lot, but there are no there are no ads. Whereas right. the non the non terrestrial channels, uh, the sort of independent channels, they rely heavily on advertising, and that model is changing. They're they're all bringing out their their players and their TV players and their catch up alternatives. So the whole world is somewhere between you know, traditional advertising, the subscription model, and this sort of pay-to-play um, uh, programmatic advertising, you know. But, um, yeah, the journey continues, Calvin, I think. Um, we Well, it's exciting and it's growing, which yeah. is, which is um, fun. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we, we as Pixelite have raised some funding um, recently, and we're using that to expand our product footprint, our global footprint, yeah. um, really across the board. Um, product sales, marketing, global expansion—all those, you know, kind of usual things. But it's exciting um, that there's market validation in the space that you know you're able to raise money as well too. So, 
no, it's 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 a great achievement uh, to see that to see that again. It's it's great to see the growth. And um, look, before we wrap up, then my my last question really is: Is there anything that we haven't touched on, or have you any views on where where this goes from here, or anything that you that you'd like to maybe share with our audience before we wrap up? I think we've covered it pretty well. Um, I mean, the, it is a complicated ecosystem, and it is expanding and growing. The the year-over-year -year numbers, both on digital ad spend, not just in CTV, but across the board in in uh, mobile and desktop is exploding. So as long as there's money there, people are going to try to to try to grab pieces of that. So like I mentioned earlier, there's companies like ourselves that are in the middle or in the position to help thwart that activity as, as much as possible. And we're successful with our uh, customer slash partners in doing in doing that in their kind of world and ecosystem. So it's exciting to um, be a part of this ecosystem. It's it's exciting to be, you know, what we feel is on on the right side of solving a problem um, and writing what is a big problem. And it's 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 fun to be a part of that. Well, Calvin, no, absolutely, and continued success in everything that you do. I hope uh, we've shared with our audience there some of the, the 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 intricacies and the insights from this wonderful industry that you're involved in. Uh, it is complex, but I would encourage anybody to take a look at the Pixelate site and for sure check out both their their trust index and their insights uh, study. They're, they're, they're absolutely worth diving into. So continued success, Calvin. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you today. Thank you very much. Good to see you again. And we'll we'll hopefully cross paths soon. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, well, look, that's the end of today's show with uh, Calvin uh, Schaffs. Uh, please make sure to tune in again to watch and or listen to a next Vista Talks episode. Where once again, we hope to be talking to some interesting people with interesting topics from all around the world. Thank you very much, Calvin. Thank you.